This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's only, I forgot my bit here, only podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. That's not your bit, right? That's, yeah, that's wrong, right? Oh, it's the, the world's, world's best? best? Fuck. How did you, you did I, the old, that's the old one. I know. I did a, I did a podcast last night talking about Evolve, and I guess it just, uh, it seeped into my brain for today. Huh. Well, that, that is unfortunate. Condolences. Yeah, sorry. All right, well, I may be. You might know that. I am joined by a person's voice you've already heard and who I'm going to vamp for a second. He's gotten a nice swig of orange juice. It is Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. Thank you. That was a test, uh, of course, because I did call you out for not vamping. <laughs> uh, when, what was I eating previously? Uh, 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 turkey? <laughs> turkey jerky or something I don't know. and you threw it to me it did happen but uh, <laughs> oh, of course sorry. you learned your lesson this time so that's that's a great growth by ab uh, i'm growth. doing well uh, uh succulents doing well basil's doing well i ordered more succulents those are on their way uh that's all i got all right we're also joined by mike spears what's up mike hey y'all it's your old pal iron mike spears um i exist this week as much as i did last week take it as you will um I'm just kind of keeping on up here, Big Cat. I mean, it's just been, uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, how how have you been, AB? I just had some ice cream before we started. So we were talking about ice cream habits before we were getting started. This is what you all missed in the pre-show call is yeah. us talking about. I was ex- I was driving. excluded from this conversation, so uh, I was not talking about ice cream habits. Well, I mean, we were just. Uh, I mean, I was late. Nate, I didn't show up till 631 and we were still talking about ice cream. So you could have been here for it. That's when I logged into the chat, actually. <laughs> to be clear. Uh, I was saying that we we have some of these uh like individual serving uh ice creams, blue bell ice creams that we've bought. And uh, that it helps me to uh, to eat those instead of eating like a whole fucking like you know, half Pint. no, like the big one. Oh. What is that? A quart, maybe? I could just sit down and, and uh, knock that out. And uh, if given the, you know, the time, the um, emptiness inside, uh, I can pretty <laughs> much do that. Self-loathing. <laughs> yeah, I can pretty much do that. So I'm a big fan of like the occasional self-loathing meal, you know, every once in yeah, a while. Yeah, me too. Occasional. <laughs> <laughs> but like. I, it's something that like if I get the good pizza versus the trash pizza that you pick up because you hate yourself, like then I'll be like, okay, I got myself like a nice pizza from like a local pizza area and I'm going to hate myself for this. And then I proceed to eat the entire thing. So I respect it. You just reminded me uh, that I did leave an entire deep dish pizza at work on oh, top no. of the fridge. <laughs> an uh, entire oh, no. deep dish? Well, an entire deep dish minus the two slices that I ate for lunch. Because uh, we did have pizza ordered for the office. And I ended up with 
the pizza, the the second pizza. All the girls took one pizza and left the other pizza for the guys. Uh, but none of the other guys ate. So I ate two slices. I was supposed to bring it home. I did not. It's sitting on top of the fridge, probably going bad. Uh, it was Lou Malnati, so it's pretty good pizza. I think that's famously the uh, the pizza chain where uh, Cody Rhodes big-timed Rich Kreich and wouldn't sign anything for him. I think yes. that's the think that is the restaurant in, in question. Uh, so that's unfortunate. It's probably going to make the conference room smell tomorrow, too. <laughs> yes. Yes, it will. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, food talk. Food talk. Food talk. I was listening to... I'm assuming that well, where does like the extended universe, like where does that phrase actually come from? Uh, I think it comes. Well, I, mean, I think most universes Marvel. are derivative of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, but you came up with the extended universe, so I think you're the person to ask. No, I was the one who did, and I was making a. It was like when they reset the Star Wars because Star Wars used to have like the Star Wars oh. canon and the Star Wars extended universe where they had like all the books about right. okay. Mary Jade Skywalker. And I thought that was really kind of a funny tagline. And I think I used, I wrote it in once as a description and AB decided that was a good fit to go with. What well, was I, it behind the scenes of everything? Elite <laughs> I mean, like it did, your, your tagline did not ever make sense because you would say it's devoted exclusively to all the wrestling and the elite extended universe yeah which exclusively to those two things right and but other people well no i guess that's not the, i guess that's not why it's incorrect it's <laughs> you know the elite extended universe covers basically everything so it's hard to call it exclusive i guess is my point yeah you know it's just i was i'm not that creative i didn't want to come up with something completely new from the old podcast you know i wanted to keep the same uh same bits. And so I just tried to paste something new in there. And, you know, it is what it is. The point is, I was listening to Ike Barinholtz on the Blocked Party podcast, and he called something the Blah Blah Extended Universe. And I was like, oh, everything elite listener. And then I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a famous friend of the show, Ike yeah. Barinholtz. Like, yeah. let's, let's just speak that into the universe right now. I mean, if we think about it, like, Murder Brian is obviously a friend of the show. Uh, many time past guest. He does a podcast with John Cullen from Blocked Party. Uh, you know, John and Stefan are buddies with Ike Barinholtz. You don't have to go too far before you start thinking that he's listened to this show. I mean, I have a lot of famous podcast followers. They all have me muted, but they do follow me. Stefan <laughs> followed me for probably like six years or seven years or something. Did he uh, unfollow again, you? No, I'm sure he has me muted. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I was, you know, it has been a while since we've gotten any new uh listeners or followers with with some clout pretty much all the listeners with clout we inherited from the old podcast also you know we haven't had a haven't had an ike Barinholtz come down and say hey i like the show guys well trey so kirby I, I is, is trey kirby yeah that's our new no, again, we, he followed us no indication we talked about him the other day no indication that he listens whatsoever <laughs> so i i have to assume this is a flaw of me and mike and it was the uh the air and connection that brought all the clout in the first place I mean, when you bring me aboard, you know what you're going to get. And unless you want like some errata about a, a certain promotion that's 20 years old, that's what you're going to get. I mean, I'm here for my pretty face. Yeah, I thought, see, I really thought bringing in Nate with like the, the clouded followers that he had, I thought would really add to the podcast. And yeah, no, bring it, it hasn't, it hasn't paid off. I really feel like my, this is just, uh, you know, my own uh, ice cream pity party now. 
I feel like my interactions are, are, are significantly down on the Twitter also. You know, I don't know. I get I get annoyed because Bentley tweets, I don't know, once once every three days and gets like a reliable 14 faves. And I just like max out at seven now. Like, <laughs> well, it's why, it, why are Bentley's fewer followers so much more active? I, I mean, I know, I know the tweet's not better. That's not in question. So well, the, the tweets are better, but I, I also, <laughs> I really, I engage with my, with my followers a lot. Maybe you're not engaging enough with your followers. If Maybe somebody interacts with me, I, I mostly will enter. I mean, at least throw a fave. I mean, I well, see, I I'll throw a reply, man. I'm I'm really uh really there has to be some yeah thoughtful with my engagement. Now this could just go back Nate, to the whole um prize uh, raffle uh, bit that you did on your account. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You, you might have run off. You might have run off all your engagement with that. Yeah, that would be fine. I'd be fine if that was the case. I mean, it, it, it was a solid brand choice. Like, I don't like that besmirch you for it, but I mean, you, you, if you do retweet a whole bunch of things about like Xboxes and the time that you they retreated an assault rifle, that you probably should have known what you're getting into at that point. Yeah, no, I was comfortable with it. Uh, I'm still, you know, mostly comfortable with it. Um, but yeah, you know, wouldn't mind, wouldn't mind a few more verified accounts following the EE Pod account at Everything AEW. That's a that's a great uh, idea for all those people. They could also follow at Aaron like the car, Nate at Epitasis, Mike at Fujiheya. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating, a five star rating, and a review if you use the Apple Podcast app. And if you want to support the show, head over to patreoncom elite. There's a lot of content there this month. We'll talk about that later. On the show tonight, we're gonna play Elite or Delete. We'll run down Dynamite. We'll talk ratings. We'll talk about what's going to be on Dynamite next week. And importantly, we'll talk about the upcoming weird schedule for Dynamite. So uh, there's going to be some preemptions due to the NBA playoffs. So we'll talk about that. Let's start, as always, with Elite or Delete. Delete. Elite. Delete. Elite. Nate appears not to have taken a drink of anything recently, so I will pitch to him for his favorite thing from the show this week. <laughs> uh, my favorite thing on the show this week uh, was the Lance Archer backstage promo where Jake the Snake Roberts was promoing while Lance Archer, again, uh, first of all, a guy a guy crossed camera to bump into Lance Archer, which is just uh, bad production practices. Like that guy should probably have a fucking idea what's going on and not cross in front of the camera when you're doing live television. But cross in front of the camera, bump Lance Archer, so he got his ass beat. Lance Archer beat up some more guys in the back, which we've seen, but is entertaining. And then very weirdly, rips off Jake Snake's shirt, turns him around, and he's written, everybody dies on his large back. Um, just very weird, uh, which I really enjoyed. Uh, very memorable. I don't know, just a weird fucking pro wrestling thing. He wrote, everybody dies on the guy's back. And he's like, hey, everybody dies. Check out this guy's back. There it is. That was the best thing on the show. It just was utterly bizarre. Like, when it was happening, uh, people in Discord were already reacting to it. And I was completely in the dark because YouTube TV is always a minute behind everything. And I was like, what is this thing? And they're like, oh, no, wait. Oh, no, wait. And then we get uh, shirtless Jake Roberts with uh, 
every everybody dies painted on his back and it was a choice like i don't know what the purpose of this was other than lance archer wanting to rip off his shirt i did like the note that uh that jake roberts said this was a 200 dollars shirt when it looked like it was something that you got at like a department store so like it just looked <laughs> like uh something something that he got at belks you know like like are y'all familiar with belks it's like your belks here right? i don't know i was your gonna coals. say i don't know what a belks is your coals if you will you know okay. like yeah we had we had a belk uh where i grew up but to me i mean i you know i was poor so to me belk was like fucking fancy shit you could you could buy a belk but I mean, like I, I'm talking about like the department stores are not attached to malls. Like it was like one of those shirts they were saying was like two hundred dollars. Yeah. Which I was. Which hey, I mean, if someone fucked up my my shirt for that, then I'd have it there. But yeah, this was just like a a wild segment just out of nowhere, just apropos of nothing, just ripping off Jake Roberts' shirt, which was something. I do think it kind of reset the power dynamic a little bit because Lance Archer was like more of the alpha between them and like established himself as. Hey, and I'm telling you what to fucking do, Jake. Turn around and I'm ripping your shirt off, um, which I think is good because, you know, we don't need Jake the Snake looking like the bigger, tougher guy. So, you know, maybe they accomplished a little something with this weirdness. I think it was either, I can't remember if it was the year before I went to college or the summer after, like my first year in college, but a, a friend and I got really bored that summer and we started a, a new band where he made like uh, electron. Well, we I played acoustic guitar. He made like electronic beats over it, and then I did like screamy vocals over top of it. And we played one show ever. I can't remember what the name of the band was, but we played one show ever. And he brought his his uh, iMac and like did the beats or whatever from his right. iMac. Uh, our buddy, our buddy Milk, God rest his soul, played bass with his head wrapped in saran or in a fucking tinfoil. And I sang uh, with my shirt off. And for some reason, I guess we'd we'd watched Roads Perdition recently, <laughs> and I I had scribbled "None of us will see heaven" on my on my bare chest. Wow! So there you go. I feel like you were weirder before I knew you. <laughs> I feel like you used to be you used to be pretty weird. <laughs> and maybe I don't know. Maybe domestic life made you brought you a little closer to normal. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had to. I went to fucking law school, you know, and like, right, became a lawyer. That definitely was bad for my life. Well, uh, for your for your weirdness quotient. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, it was bad. Anyway, that's what that made me think <laughs> of was being in that band. Yeah, I would love to find those songs. They're bad, very bad. I but. do. I'm I'm nostalgic for the the era of live local shows where it would just be you know a two-piece and then a guy with an uh you know first generation ipod and the beats that they'd put on it that was a good time yeah yeah that was uh that was a lot of fun um i guess it's mike's turn mike what was your favorite thing from this show <laughs> i was waiting for you to see if you had something else to talk about jake roberts disrobed on national television but okay <laughs> um i'm a i was a big fan of the opener like if anything's on brand for me, it's a sprint style tag match, just getting after it. And with the Young Bucks and, and Uno and Grayson, of course, they've had like the history dating back to Pro Wrestling Gorilla. They've done some stuff together and DG USA of all places went back in the day for that. So like I'm just happy like that they did this and at least up until the finish, I'll get into the finish when we get into delete. But it was exactly like the kind of pace match that is more up my alley, whereas how the uh 
12 man last week only really picked up for like the last five minutes after 15 minutes of telling stories. I just want to see moves and by God, they showed us some moves and like Nick Jackson apparently has decided that he wants to challenge Phoenix in like a rope battle, which is wild. So like I've, I had ended up having a good time. Like this was like the way that I like them starting out the show is just have a crazy ass sprint tag match. And hopefully like by now that, that that's what they're going to stick with as an opener, because that was my favorite match and thing on the show. Yeah. I think I've complained a lot about the openers the past two weeks and this was uh, exactly what you want to see. And it was like uh, the bucks when they didn't have all the other people uh, with them there, you know, in, in the multi-bands, they just kind of, did their thing, and it was uh, high-paced, high-intensity. It was good. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was pretty good. I liked last week's better, but, you know, I, I was high on last week's opener. Uh, I think it's my turn, my pick. I'm going to complain later in this show about, uh, you know, how they're building things for, for All Out or not building things for All Out. So I just want to give a shout-out to the build of the Santana and Ortiz Best Friends feud. It's like... You know, they're building, they're doing uh, mic shit. They're giving us uh, one beat a week, which I like. It's escalating. It makes sense. There's, I mean, there's like a hint of, you know, irony or goofiness to it, but there is like a personal issue now there that's fun. So this is, you know, a minor thing for me, but uh, in a in a show where most everything was cold uh, or bad, this is a really good build. Yeah, that was my, my lead pick last week was, the best friends in particular and their build with Santana and Ortiz with the whole van angle. I think that was last week. Um, and yeah, the, that's still proceeding and progressing pretty well. Maybe, maybe I missed it. The angle they did on this show where Santana Ortiz took their shit and poured lighter fluid on it. And then it was bleach bleach. Yeah. Did they throw a lighter on it? No. They, no, they, they said they were bleach and then they turned on the uh, okay. thing in the shower. Oh, they turned on the thing in the shower. Tur- the shower. They turned on the water. <laughs> the thing on the shower. Like water came out of the shower head. The okay. thing. But it yeah, didn't I, get on I the just, clothes at all. <laughs> it got on the I luggage. I had a moment of, of psychosis where I had it in my head that they were putting lighter fluid on it. And then they put it in the corner of the shower. And then I thought Ortiz threw something at it. And like, oh, that's supposed to be a lighter. But then they didn't, you know, nothing lit because obviously it wasn't the lighter. So that's fine. That's just my own personal psychosis. We can move on. <laughs> yeah, like y'all know my favorite thing or one of my favorite things about this promotion is when they start doing things in a very like planned out way where a storyline is just being built up to have like its big conclusion or like the big face off where you have beats each week. And the fact that now we've had like the beats back and forth and now that we only have three more episodes of Dynamite before All Out, guys. Like, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're barreling towards it. And this seems to be the thing that each week, at least since it really started, that's had like a motivation and like a next step, a next step. It's been something that I'm really happy that these two teams are going to do this. And I'm still going to put it out there in the universe. I want a bodega street fight between the two of them. That should be their cinematic match for this pay-per-view. So, yeah, no, the, this segment ruled and... Now we have to see what best friends are going to be doing over the next few weeks to try to get back at them. I mean, they still need to get uh, them to apologize via speakerphone to Sue in the middle of the ring after beating them. So we have to have some build towards that. So I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, let's talk about what we didn't like. I'm getting the sense that maybe there was a more dislikes than likes on this show. Nate. Yeah. 
I, was, I mean, I was pretty high on last week. So this this show was, you know, generally a an off week for me or a step down from the, the prior week. Um, I'm deleting Chris Jericho. You know, he's been my elite pick in the past. Put him over a lot on this show. Uh, I just think he didn't didn't show up here in what it was a big spot where he needed to show up. Um, you know, talked to length about how hard it would be and what degree of difficulty it is to do like a uh, long heated feud between Orange Cassidy, a small indie star whose gimmick is that he doesn't care, and Chris Jericho, who's like your you know, top star and most established person on the roster. Uh, and they did a really excellent job of building that feud appropriately. The first match was really good. Uh, we had a good go-home angle on the last show of Dynamite, I thought, or at least a go-home angle that exceeded its, uh, or, you know, hit, hit its ceiling. It exceeded its floor, hit its ceiling. Um, and yeah, I, I just think uh, Chris Jericho kind of laid an egg here. It didn't seem like they had any new ideas for the main event match. Uh, or maybe they did have a new idea, and the new idea was, hey, let's get a fucking WWE referee and make people care about that for some reason. I for sure don't fucking care about a WWE referee. Not interesting to me. Um, you know, they did a little, you know, callback spot with a super kick where they subverted your expectations on that. That's fine. Uh, but then, you know, most of the focus of the match was like Chris Jericho fucking up on dragon screw bumps uh, and then fucking up on the finish. And then it went right off the air after the match was over. Um, yeah, pretty pretty well-muted Orange Cassidy's big upset win here. He's the second guy in the promotion to get a singles win over Chris Jericho, and it just didn't land the way it should have. I mean, this plays into my elite, so I'm just going to add this in here, A.B. Uh, the finish sucked. It Jericho was they're going for a mousetrap flash pin and they had two flash pins on the show and flash pins are a really good thing especially in front of crowds to like to like subvert expectations have big baby face like upsets like underdog wins but then chris jericho fell back instead of rolling forward and chris jericho just looked terrible the entire night and given what all went on and everything it's it's something that did definitely come into this week versus two weeks ago looking a lot looking physically different like maybe going on tour for the last two weeks and didn't have his wind he it just jericho like this was like as you said like this had a degree of difficulty and some expectations now because of how well they did that go home promo and then now i guess we have three more weeks and i for some sort of a blow off because like if this is the blow off for like orange cassidy then it's completely like deflated. Like, how can this feel like the big win when it was a fucked up flashbend? And then the uh, Bucks messed up a flashbend in the opening match. And I wanted to delete that. Come on, Bucks, you know how to do a flashbend by now. Like, like doing flashbends on TV is something that is a bold thing, but you have to like make them look like, holy shit, they got like a win. Like the idea of like a schoolboy or a crucifix hold or something like that. But if it looks kind of shitty, for lack of a better word, it it then. You, you know, it defeats his purpose, and then you ended up looking like an idiot out there. And I feel like Orange Cassidy kind of looked like an idiot out there for like trying to do a mousetrap, which is a cool flashbend. And then Jericho just either never not knowing what it was or forgetting that he needed a front roll versus back roll, and it just looked really shitty. I thought the Bucks flashbend was fine. What was what was wrong with that? It was timed off, and it was done in a way that it looked like that they were holding off on breaking up the pen. That's true, yeah. Stu Grayson kind of had to do a half dive. Um, but yeah, 
the you know the pin itself I thought was all right. Nick had his full full weight on him there, but okay. It, it's no Itabashi, I'll say that much. What could be? What could be? Uh, yeah, you guys talked about it, so I don't have anything to add. It sucked, definitely. The the main event, especially, was just bad. And especially when you have like a very hot thing and you're trying to make a guy who wasn't supposed to be a thing into a thing, you might put some real care behind uh, making it happen. Oh, yeah, I have another complaint that I forgot, which is <laughs> the, the whole stipulation was everybody's banned from ringside and then you just do a big interference spot in the middle of the match anyway, which, you know, I guess, I guess the idea of that is, hey, Orange Cassidy even overcame the interference of Jake Hager in the match. Um, I guess that's theoretically fine but you know just didn't seem like they were throwing ideas against the wall because they didn't have an idea how to make a more compelling match and you know just didn't seem like jericho showed up in uh great shape to to deliver what he needed to there but to me that doesn't make a lot of sense like if you're gonna do the interference spot then orange has to lose and then you do like a cage match or something after that to really pay it off now it's like why should they ever wrestle again? Because Orange could beat him, even though Jake Hager came in and knocked him out or whatever. I, well, just, I don't know that they are going to wrestle again. Maybe they're not. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, I guess, you know, wrestling brain matches come in threes, right? So you just assume they're going to do a third yeah. one. Uh, yeah. So if they're not, as Mike said, then this sucks. Yeah, and then what are you doing with Jericho at All Out? Like, you have three weeks then to start something up with Jericho, and Orange is someone that, they, that they've pulled in and pulled out, so... I could see them basically being like, okay, Orange is around. But if Jericho, if Jericho is going to be at all out, you have to build something up now within a couple of weeks of shows and a couple of weeks of shows that you're going to have a lot of difficulties maintaining your normal audience and buyers. All right. My, uh, my delete pick of the week is uh, it's, it's the Cody TNT championship run. The whole damn thing. There have been good matches in it. So, you know, I'll start with that, that I have liked. Some of the not the whole thing, but no, the whole but... thing. <laughs> Except for the good matches that you just talked about. And no, because it, talent out of this. Well, let's. If you all would wait a fucking second, you might know. <laughs> Aaron, I have I have orange juice to drink, so. Well, I wish um, you. I got. I got. <laughs> I had nowhere to go with that. I got. I got to talk. I got to talk quickly yeah. so I can get back to drinking my orange juice. Doesn't make any sense. I want to make my throat dry so that the orange juice will. Yes, that's what it is. Okay. Okay, there have been some good matches. I I admit that. Eddie Kingston showing up. That was good. I'm happy about that. Ricky Starks. That was good. But the thing that Cody's doing is dumb and bad. Like he's a guy who figured out this formula. Like he came back onto the Indies and he was bad. He, he was in WWE and he was bad. He came to the Indies. He was bad. He hung out with the Bucks and Kenny and everybody and figured out this formula to have good matches. And then he came over to AEW and put a little twist on it. I thought with a lot of like, a little more shenanigans maybe and a little more old wrestling uh, influence stuff that he would throw into his matches. And that was all good. But then he comes out and he cuts the big promo and this whole thing starts about how he's going to prove that he's, you know, a great worker. He's going to have these great matches. And his way of doing that has been to come up with these complicated, what he probably thinks are clever finishes. You know, I think back to the Darby thing where, he like floated him back into the out of the coffin drop into the pen. This one where it's like, oh, he held on to the ropes so Scorpio couldn't do you know his move slingshotting in from the outside, and that was 
enough. But it's just like this little goofy shit. And it's like, Cody, buddy, you'd already figured out how to have good matches. You were having good matches. You're not a work rate guy. Stop trying to pretend you are. He's like, it, it made me think in the Discord last night. Uh, he's like Todd Phillips to me, Cody. He's like, okay. <laughs> the director Todd of Phillips. Joker? Yes. Todd Phillips did old school. He did Starsky and Hutch. He did The Hangover. You know, he's like, he's in his shit, right? He's figuring out what works for him. And then he's like, no, I'm going to do War Dogs. I'm going to do Joker. It's like, no, just do your thing that you do. Okay. Leave the rest of the stuff to like people who are good at that. Okay. I, I, I want to, before I challenge your analogy, I just want to, okay, good point, Aaron. That's a valid deletion. <laughs> But Don Phillips did have, you know, all-time career success with Joker. That was very successful for him, critically and commercially. Sure. I'm just but it doesn't mean it's good, right? Well, I I think the I think the narrative now is that it is good. I didn't see it. Yeah. But I think we're supposed to think it's good now. Okay, but what about this? Untitled Hulk Hogan biopic. How do you feel okay, about that? That's going to be dog shit for sure. <laughs> for sure going to be big dog shit. But other than I guess it's now attached with like a Hemsworth that that movie's even getting made. Like that's a okay. That, that, this that's a ten scratcher. This didn't really fit my my rant, but I want to throw this in here. Uh, Todd Phillips. I think there are very few sequels that have been made that live up to or exceed the first film. The Godfather's the first one. We'd always planned on calling it The Hangover Two, and when we <laughs> finished the script, I changed the cover page and wrote The Hangover Part Two. Because I think the film lives up to or exceeds the first one. It's very much a nod to The Godfather. <laughs> That's very funny. I mean, Todd Phillips did do like a seminal documentary on Gigi Allen. Like, I feel like that if we're going to be talking about his entire oeuvre, we have to include that as well. But I, 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 I was there when he workshop the piece, and I was like, you know what, this is something worth getting into on air. But <laughs> workshop. Yeah, it, it, it's something with with Cody that like. Oh my God! He, he did school for scoundrels. Yeah, he did yeah. school for scoundrels. Yeah, one, no, one of the all time. That's uh, that's really in the canon of all time. Meet the Parents knockoffs. Um, right. Which is just yeah. A bad genre of movie that followed Meet the Parents. Uh, the other one to continue Jason Bateman chat. The X, all time Meet the Parents knockoff, where the whole premise of these movies is, oh, we're gonna have just like an unassuming, normal, likable protagonist, and then just have oodles of terrible shit happen to him. Uh, in a comedic, semi-comedic, quote-unquote comedic manner for like 90 minutes. And and that's that's the movie. Go on, Mike. Yeah, and it, it's something with Cody that we've, maybe he thought that, oh, since a lot of my ring style that has worked within this promotion has been basically me being a fan analog and being like the person at the vanguard, like especially with, how things were portrayed with him with like him and Dustin and then him versus MJF. Like he's very much in a lot of ways supposed to be the embodiment of the fan in a lot of ways. And he plays that up a whole lot that going to try to be like this workhorse character where it's just like too cute for half matches that maybe of all people, he should be the one actually learning how to do a good flash pen. Like if Cody is someone that like mastered like the uh, Itabashi, as I mentioned earlier, and then like, and he's like, as soon as he feels like he's out of his depth, he's been getting these wins. And it's like, I've discovered this unbreakable pinhold. And that's the way he wanted to kind of play like clever Cody. That would be a lot better than like, oh, you held onto the rope and then you hit your finish. Like that does not feel like it's clever. It just seems like you're trying to find, you're, you're booking your way out of a situation of your own creation. 
Yeah, I guess I just I don't get what he's proving or to whom he's proving it. It's not like he's getting in there and having these like, you know, Kenny Omega New Japan run matches. So I don't know what I'm supposed to take from what he's doing here. So I think I I think I know the idea. I think the idea is I'm Cody, I'm a top guy in the promotion. I'm if not the ace, then you know, near ace status. Um, and I'm also legitimizing this championship because I'm I won it and now I'm gonna defend it for a long time and make it meaningful. Uh I think that's the broad idea. I think the specific idea with how he's working the matches is I'm gonna legitimize a bunch of guys by having competitive matches with them and then winning by the skin of my teeth. I think that's the idea. Um I I agree that it's not as effective as it probably should be because uh one, a lot of Cody's appeal is his connection with the fans and they're not there. So, you know, his matches aren't as heated and that doesn't, you know, everything doesn't seem as important as it might otherwise. Uh, and then too, yeah, you know, he's not, he's not going out there and having, you know, uh, John Cena versus Cesaro U S open challenge matches where it's like, Oh, holy fucking shit. That was a blow away match um, that, you know, people are going to remember, you know, he's having like some, some pretty good matches. Uh, and it, it's, yeah, it's, you know, I thought this was like maybe the best match on the show was this singles match, but it, you know, not not a memorable one, not one where I'm going to come back to it and think about it ever again. See, my first thought was the the Todd Phillips analogy, and then I was thinking about it. And I thought maybe David Gordon Green, uh, but I was thrown off by the fact that if you go back and you think like George Washington or all the real girls, yeah. It's like, yeah, it doesn't really match up with like once he discovered that he could just do really funny stuff with Danny McBride and that would work. Um, but what a fucking weird filmography. I mean, that NC, yeah, that NC yeah. School of Arts crowd has like a wild like thing because you go from like George Washington and and then like he did like Your Highness. And it's yeah. just like, what are you? But, but then he and, did like Prince Avalanche, if you guys remember that one. Vaguely, I do. I, I will say I am not. There is not a single Todd Phillips movie that I thought was especially good, even like those, you know, uh, frat boy comedies of that era, like Road Trip and Old School or whatever else. Like his were not the the best of that genre to me. Like they weren't as good as the Apatow movies in that time. They weren't as like even Euro Trip is better than those. Um, so I do that. It, he's kind of an appropriate analogy for Cody in that <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's pretty good, I guess. Not my not my favorite, but I understand. That there is an appeal there. Yeah. Um, I, I guess David Gordon Green worked at a pretty high level for like, I mean, I don't know. You guys think, but like, the, Pineapple Express is like very good, I think. And he's still your doing was TV. Big disappointment. Yeah. Your Highness is like the one you're like, okay. You're, yeah, you're that was paying. bad. That was the one he was paying uh, for a condo with, like, let's be fair. But I mean, he's still the guy who's like him and Jody Hill and Dave McBride are the brain trust behind. <laughs> all the stuff on all the HBO oh. series. So, David yeah. Gordon Green also did Stronger, the inspiring real-life story of Jeff Bauman, an ordinary man who captured the hearts of his city and the world to become a symbol of hope after surviving the Boston Marathon bombing. Yeah. Let me let me try this on. That um, sucks ass. <laughs> so the other guy that went from, like, broad comedies into, like, I'm going to be a serious try-hard guy now is probably Adam McKay, right? Is he appropriate? Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I have see I I have not seen the big short or any of his serious shit so I don't know that it how those succeeded. 
I mean, I think they were all short. successful. I think again, he's more successful than he used to be. Maybe the big show's yeah, pretty good. I, I mean, he he's found kind of the hey, I'm going to be doing this narrative, and I'm going to have like quick, funny interstitials because that's how I'm going to liven things up. Like that's a yeah, that's the big thing of Adam McKay now. I did I did not see Vice, but with like Big Short, like that was the big thing. It's like, hey, we got a Nobel Prize economist here to understand, teach people to understand certain things, and it's like, oh, and he's playing he's playing blackjack with Selena Gomez, like like he kind yeah. of went heavy into that. So he's he's the politics guy now. Although I see that he's right. got an untitled Lakers project coming. The uh, I will, the the you know the politics guy stuff. The end of the other guys, the end credits basically is like a back to our pilot for the big short where he like puts in a bunch of news clippings and newspaper headlines to be like, Oh, here's what's really fucking going on at the end of his little Will Ferrell movie. I did forget. He has actually a shorter, uh, 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 filmography. Really? He did anchorman and that is probably where he peaked, right? It was anchorman. Like that was a phenomenon. I mean, wake I'll up Ron Burgundy basically doesn't count. Cause that's just cobbled together from deleted scenes of anchorman. Talladega nights was like, you know, Hey, the Will Ferrell and Anchorman guy are reteaming, so you're kind of in the shadow of Anchorman a little bit. And then Step Brothers, I guess he came he came back pretty big with Step Brothers, but after that, it's the other guys, and then Anchorman Two, like uh, you know, didn't rate. So it really is. Yeah, I like that little run of Will Ferrell movies, and then it's like I'm going to go be politics guy now, and was weirdly very successful at it. I just I was never an Adam McKay guy. I I never liked Will Ferrell. Just not my. Not my style of comedy, I suppose. You'd take the you'd take the Todd Phillips movies over those, huh? <laughs> I mean, actually, yes. I would take The Hangover over any Adam McKay film. I didn't even... I was not high on The Hangover in the first place. I kind of felt like I was out on an island on that one. It was... I mean, it was wild because, as I recall, it was a pretty low-budget film, and it went like crazy. Yeah. Blew up big time. Uh, you know, Academy Award nominee Bradley Cooper... That's right. It's saying very weird. Former former WWE Raw guest host. Yeah, and he's saying F slurs like in the Oh wow, is that his like immediate appearance in, in the film? But yeah. Uh that's when like didn't what's his name bust out from Hangover? Galifianakis. I mean, really he busted out and peaked. But that was uh, <laughs> yeah. I was also probably like obnoxious uh you know uh, uh indie alt comedy guy there where I was like Oh yeah, I really like Zach Galifianakis when he was doing funny Kanye West music videos. But now that he's doing really broad humor on a, a film, it's not as good. I'm sure that's what I was saying. Okay, well, that's that. That's that part of the podcast. We're going to talk about uh, ratings. I think next. <laughs> There's no way to get to ratings from there. So, AEW uh, down a bit to seven hundred ninety-two thousand. Down 0. 0.4, 0. 0.04, not 0. 0.4 in the demo. They'd be fucked if they were down 0. 0.4. Down to a 0. 0.32, ninth overall. NXT, a bigger drop to 619,065th in the demo with a 0. 0.16. That's right. AW doubled NXT on this week. Hello, friends and followers. Back into the first church of the demo god. I am your traveling pastor. It is. Thank you all for inviting me to the congregation here today. And hey, mate, were you hitting uh, the organ there? That's what I, I was. Yeah, that was okay. my, <laughs> my organ. Uh, so I, my... I'll, I'll like to thank Brother Epitasis over on the keys <laughs> over there. But thank you all for having me in here. But there's a couple notes I would like to give in this sermon that, as uh, Brother Bentley said as we started off this, this was not a great week for all elite wrestling. But, you know, we take the good and bad within the Church of the Demogod as this week was Shark Week. And... 
as everyone knows, everyone loves Shark Week. And just like Moses led the Israelites out of out of Egypt and split the sea, the thing that happened this week was the sea was full of sharks and people care more about the sharks than wrestling. So it'll be interesting to see <laughs> when the demo god has granted us his plus threes and plus sevens in the DVR to see who picks it up. And I did go a little bit more into the sub demos because I thought that that Shark Week bit wasn't going to be enough for my sermon. And some interesting sub demo stuff between last week and this week. Of course, last week we were deeply in the grace of the demo god and the data gods. But this week, maybe we've turned away from the light a little bit. And that's why this has happened. It interesting thing of note was that women 18 to 49 stayed even at 0.26 but men dropped and men 18 to 49 dropped 0.07 which that has been an interesting thing of note to keep an eye on i know that there are other preachers that have have given their spoke from the heart and they've talked about how that the belief is that now if more people are watching per home it's interesting that you would think that they would kind of drop off in the same level for this but no no it was the men who've been unfaithful to the demo god and also the people 18 to 34 dropped 0.11 this week but go in grace hopefully with these new challenges and these new celebrations we'll have over the next few weeks that we would be able to bring the demo god back into their light and then we would have a much better sermon in the week and the weeks to come amen amen Big time, I'm amen. I uh, some breaking news. Not breaking news. It won't be breaking by the time you hear this. But um, Sadie Gibbs apparently has been uh, has gone to see the Lord. <laughs> gone to be with the Lord, and uh, removed from the AEW roster page. And I so I went to check her Instagram. She's definitely removed AEW from her profile. And her most recent picture, she wrote, you know, staying on the the sermon um, theme, she wrote, Amazing Grace, hashtag undefinable, not the end, a new beginning. So I think some, say, some profound words. Yes, I think she is confirming that she has been uh, released from her contract with All Elite Wrestling. Well, uh you know, the Tony made comments about, you know, I haven't had to release anybody yet, uh, but at some point we'll have to. So one presumes that Sadie was among the first. Did you check any of the other people that have disappeared from the AEW roster page? I haven't. Um, let's well, see. I'm sure you follow B. Uh, I mean, we did. Jimmy Havoc B. was okay. Jimmy Havoc was also removed. Uh, of course, we uh, had, uh, I guess announced on patreon that we had we been informed it. that he yeah that he was would be retiring from wrestling uh so that's not at all unexpected of course given uh the speaking out allegations uh anything on b there b still has all elite wrestling in her profile so but she also hasn't posted in four days hmm. i mean it's something that with how like sadie gibbs it just seems like it just was never going to work out like it seemed both sides and like to the extent that it'd be reminded that she actually was on AEW television this year. Like she was on TV this year, which is wild. And B as, as a, uh, as strong of a presence as B has been B AEW was never going to be B's top priority. So 
I understand this and then Havoc, as Nate said, like this. The 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 people that I'd be interested to see now to see how things are going are gonna be the people who are in Japan and the other people in England, because those are the ones that I'd be wondering, especially for like Riho, especially everything since then. And then, you know, I mean, Pac is still under contract. I don't he's the one person that if they actually like were like going to cut someone because they can't be over, I'd be stunned if it's Pac, but be something to kind of follow in the recent weeks because it seems like they've gotten everyone from mexico and I, I still don't know where in hell is but yeah but it seems like england and you and japan are the ones to kind of keep an eye on yeah and um yeah jack evans i i know said you know the aw has continued to pay me even though i haven't been working for them for however many months uh, on account of the pandemic now he is back and working for them but you know, if AEW had been paying Sadie Gibbs and had been paying B Priestley, uh, and you know, because uh, they were under contract and not able to come and work, then you know, you can sort of understand why it's like, well, <laughs> there's not a you know short term timeline for having these people back in the country. Um, and so uh, they're not maybe who we want to continue investing in if we want to try and build for the future or whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, certainly. Certainly, Pack, who's like a top line guy, is going to be a different calculation for them. Have so, some other breaking news. It looks yeah. like T Hawk and Lindemann have also been removed from the roster. Page. Oh, yeah, sorry, uh, that, that was the one I was going to jump in and say because I was looking at this right now. Um, yeah, uh, if you all have listened to the Patreon, that's not a big surprise, and it's something for them. I guess I could talk about this kind of openly now. It does seem like that for these two guys, and particularly like T-Hawk, he's someone that seems to be like scaling back in wrestling. He seems to only be doing DDT and then like random Stronghearts appearance. And then Lindemann is still incredibly young. And then Shima's just going to go where the money is at this point. Like I could say that quite openly. Like Shima, Shima's going to be okay. Like, but for T-Hawk and Lindemann, if they weren't going to be brought over, they needed to find another way out. OWE, they aren't running in Cambodia anymore. All the Chinese wrestlers are back in China. The uh, shows that they're running in Japan, which I talked about this on the Patreon. So they have run like Stronghearts produce shows in Japan. And Bentley, as someone who that like with like Joshi having smaller crowds, you even find this remarkable. They've been shot. They've been at a Osaka art gallery that they put a ring in. And they've been shot on, I think, Shima's cell phone on like a Twitter service that he's trying to get people to pay 3,000 yen to watch these weird shows that just are like, it's just not a thing. So I'm not surprised here about that. I'd be more stunned to see if Shima was like the last one who was uh, removed with that. But, you know, it sucks. Alinda Men rules and T-Hawk is someone that has gotten better with age. And I hope T-Hawk stays in wrestling, but I'm not completely confident that that is going to be his future. I should say that the T-Hawk and L. Lindemann news was first reported by Sean Ross Sapp, Serve Tall. <laughs> don't, don't want to be accused damn, of... Damn, Mike, you, get, you got scooped by SRS. <laughs> I mean, no, I, with appropriate irony. I mean, I've been talking about this behind our paywall for months now. Yes, we're that's, just, why I was, that's why I was being ironic. We're just dropping paywalled information here. I don't, I don't know what, what we're going on about. I mean, we got to protect the, the Patreon um okay let's talk about the rest of this show we talked about this a little the opening match the young bucks defeated evil uno and Stu grayson nick rolled up uno after the dark order blocked matt from coming back to the ring 
I think we've all kind of said our thoughts on this match. Uh, we uh, Actually, I ended up not writing all these down because they were doing these tag team appreciation things. And the first mm-hmm. one was Kenny Omega and Hangman Page talking about the Young Bucks. And then I was like, oh, these are going to be like 30-second things. So then I ignored them the rest of the way. So I apologize. The, the only one that was notable to me was uh, the Blade, like not in character, just speaking as a normal person, was <laughs> was weird to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Their pick was fucking LOD. It was like their, their favorite tag team, which, I mean, LOD ruled. I understand that. Then we got, oh, God. Can't believe this hasn't come up yet. We got the MJF promo. Uh, his, his, I think his campaign manager, Nina, I think is her name, puts up some polling numbers. He says, we're not here to talk about numbers. He's here because he cares about the fans' well-being. And uh, he mourns for your belief in your champion because today is the day it dies. Mox has made it clear he doesn't care about the fans. That's why he's not here. But MJF will always be here. Uh, Moxley's afraid of him. He starts calling him Dictator John, which is like his stupid fucking like Trump nickname for Moxley. Um, he says Moxley's used to people, not used to dealing with people who are more talented than him or with wrestlers who won't happily look up at the lights for him. So then he goes down on his back and cuts the rest of the promo from his back, where he just basically says that uh, Moxley's bad and a bad leader and he should just give the belt to MJF. Uh, Mox's music hits. MJF sends his people to cut off all the entrances around the arena, but then Mox just comes out the traditional entrance way. They brawl. Mox, it's a paradigm shift, walks out. Uh, Mox goes backstage, grabs a mic. He says, don't think for one second that makes us even. Not after what you almost cost me last week. We're not going to be even until all out when I teach you a painful lesson about humility. This will be a very bitter pill for you to swallow. I wrote for you tomorrow, which doesn't make any fucking sense. I'm glad I knew that saying in my brain. Yeah, so I kind of I was inclined to come on here and be like, yeah, you know, we know what this is going to be. We know the political gimmick. You know, we're not very high on it. We don't like it. You know, MJF is confident in playing his character and he's, you know, going to deliver this style of promo. That's what he's going to do. Kind of have to accept it. But they kind of made it more stupid. (laughs) Like, why did it go into like a work shoot thing where he's like, oh, Moxley doesn't like guys who won't like job for him? Like, first of all, that's not a narrative he's not talking about john cena where you can pretend like you're actually being controversial and calling that out and being like oh john silver john cena's got i almost said john silver john silver's got clout and back and he makes guys lie down for him and do the job uh that's like not a thing about john moxley um so you know and john moxley we don't we know does not have any (laughs) backstage power because they're so fucking literal and explicit about who has backstage power in this promotion and john moxley is not one of them so just muddying the waters with stupid work shoot stuff where you have to be reminded that it's fake, but it, they're not even reminding us that it's fake in a logical way. Uh, so it's fucking dumb. Yeah. And it's something that I'm glad that Moxley has come in and it's basically been like, what you, I didn't care until you interrupted my tag, my title match, try to make me lose. Now I'm going to end you. So I feel like Moxley's motivations in this few have been solid, but, these MJF promos, as we've, as we said, like for the last two weeks, I don't know how this is something that people think they want to hear right now. And this was another one of those. And when Moxley got involved and and did like that and did the fake out, and when Taz brought the Vatorium, that's when this segment was decent. But until then, I mean, I'm tired of MJF doing the political thing. It's it's bad. It's dumb. And it's kind of 
it's not what I want to see in wrestling, especially when you're trying to do like a vague, like a uh, Trump archetype. Like it's, it's terrible. I, I honestly like, to be fair, a lot of people like this, you know, I see a lot of people talking about, they like the MJF promos. I think, I just think people pretend that they like MJF. <laughs> I think they fake that they, it's like, this is how I feel or how I felt about like, which this is, you know, whatever to talk about now. But when Velveteen Dream like was first a thing and everybody was like, oh, he's so fucking good. And I'm like, no, he's very bad. Like why? I think people sometimes just decide that they like a certain thing for some reason and they just will not fucking let it go. And MJF had in this particular uh, feud has just been bad. We can all admit it. It's okay. I, yeah, I'm not going to say, I think people are being honest when they think they like it. I just think they're wrong in liking it. Uh, I think The Miz is the correct comparison point because The Miz goes out in promos and they're very structured. He's very, he's like, you know, the embodiment of media training. He's, you know, very smooth and like clear. And you know what you're going to get every fucking time out there. Um, and there's just no substance or emotion or, uh, you know, edge or anything at all interesting about what he promos. But, he goes out there and is like, I am the fucking masterclass student of the WWE school of promos. And people see that and they're like, oh, well, this is what a WWE style promo is supposed to be. And he's out there doing it. So this must be good. And it's just bad. But, you know, you, you understand with what they're going for. It's like, you know, technically well executed, I guess. And I that's like MJF is like the extension of that where he's like a better version of The Miz. But... He's still just doing the the wrong things to do a good promo in my opinion. You know, he's like practiced and he's, uh, uh, you know, well-spoken, but it's like, okay, who, who cares? Like, I want to see, you know, you look at like him and Eddie Kingston, it's like worlds of difference. And, and again, I kind of, I do kind of like MJF's promos in general. Uh, you know, I thought when he had the back and forth with Jericho on whatever episode of Dynamite that was, there was something there. There was a spark there. Um, you know, th there's other examples, I'm sure. He's, he's had very good promos in AEW, which are like, you know, in the den of indie fans. You know, it's easier to get your energy up and have like some sort of edge or whatever to your character. But yeah, they they put this whole theme of the election on it. Uh, and I think it accents the wrong things about his character and his promos. I would I mean, even... in, in... Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. I was going to say, I would even argue that after Cody, no one is hurt more by less fans than uh, MJF because all of his promos basically require, but like the, the whole thing about like you're pausing for booze and he's going to have like a, like a witty retort from there. And then ever since then, like it's his ring works that that's actually been the strong point of his character in recent months. It's not his promos. And especially when he gets with like these longer WWE style promos versus like 90 seconds running down the running down like the town you're in promos it's just like you've seen like he can do a 90 second promo but outside of the the cody feud where i think it was also bolstered by cody that i don't think that he's able to do these like great like set piece promos whereas someone like jericho cody i mean i've seen page have a, a really solid one as well kingston and like he can't do it so it's just one of those things that just makes us even more just like get me more disaffected about this I, I can even kind of see him as like a lesser Jericho. Like you can see, you can see the same sort of flaws in Jericho's 
promos at times where it's like he's doing Pat stuff. He's just doing like WWE playbook stuff and there's not any juice to it. Uh, but, you know, it, it like gets a pass because Jericho is an all time performer and like, again, the most established guy in the promotion. But yeah, do you have something, Aaron? Um, yeah, I did. What was it, though? Well, I guess it's just like at least I mean, in fairness to MJF, the the booking puts him in a bad situation because with the Cody thing, there's something about that that like rings true and you can you can ring something out of that. And with this, there's like fucking nothing for this promo, for this whole story. I mean, it sucks. And, you know, I think it was you, Nate, that was saying last week, like, well, we, we ought to assume that this is MJF's idea uh, because, you know, they really let people kind of do their thing here. Uh, but whoever's idea it is, is bad and it, it's hurting everything. I mean, as, as Mike said, he's right that Mox is the only one who's kind of saved this a little bit. By now, there's finally a personal issue that he can kind of ramp up about. And that's been good. Yeah. What is, what is the way in to a, a Moxley feud? I don't, there's not a line you can throw out where it's like, Oh, he uses his backstage clout and get that, you know, sort of, Oh, he went there kind of heat. Right. I just don't know if there's a way he's, he's a little bit, uh, he's a little bit bulletproof right now, John Moxley. Yeah. So you have to just come up with like, I mean, I hate it kind of, but like, MJF interfered in this match and then now they're mad yeah. at each other. You know, like you can do that. I, I, I don't hate that. That's like, <laughs> they, they, yeah, just keep it. They don't need to put the work shoot stuff in it. Right. Like at all. Just yeah. pro wrestling. You have rankings. He's your top ranked guy. He's yeah. got, he's a heel. He's got heavies that he can do shit with. Yeah. Also, I think this was Mike. Who, I think Mike said this last week. Maybe it's like MJF has a really good record right now. He can be doing the thing they've tried to do a few times of like, I'm not getting the respect I deserve. You know, I've beaten these people. I should get the shot. And then boom, yeah. he gets the fucking shot. Yeah. Like how they did for the other title match on tonight. Like yeah. how they did with Scorpio. Like they were able to say like Scorpio was seven and zero on dark. They moved him to the fifth in the rankings and he like justified it. I mean, the tag team title match, you had, you had the uh, Jurassic Express as rank number five. MJF has the record that you don't need to do this stuff. And, you know, the fact that they do rankings is actually a way that they've done it pretty well with people saying like, oh no, this is a, they have the title shot later, but because this team is ranked and this is happening now, like there's that justification there. You don't need the trappings of a bad election to do that. Okay. What was next? Oh, a well-built, a well-built feud where we got a recap of the Sammy Matt Hardy thing from last week. And then Matt Hardy is with Alex Marvez. Uh, Marvez says Hardy can't, be cleared to wrestle for 10 days or even be on the show. Apparently I'm not sure why he can't even be there. Uh, and they say, and Matt says uh, he's alive because he doesn't die, but he has been seeing red. He's going to see red until he makes Sammy bleed like he did. And he's going to be cleared for the next dynamite. This is the first time they point out that it's not going to be on until next Saturday. Uh, but he says, he's going to stick around tonight until Sammy shows up. And then he sees someone he thinks is Sammy and he attacks them, but it's actually referee Mike Posey. I just got to say, like, for them to allegedly be so mad at Sammy about this, they've certainly not, you know, pretended it didn't happen. I mean, they've been like, oh, by the way, remember this thing where he threw the fucking chair at Matt Hardy and busted him open? Yeah. Uh, if you check out my vlog recaps on the Patreon, uh, they addressed it in Matt Hardy's vlog on BTE and in Sammy Guevara's vlog. And they are for sure not shying away from it. And Sammy is playing into it for heat big time, um, which... You know, if everybody's comfortable with it, the, the right thing to do. I can't imagine 
uh, you know, Matt Hardy actually wants him fired or something. So, uh, but this, you know, this angle was like, or this segment was fine. I do think maybe this was the first time that Alex Marvez was like not up to the task of the angle that they shot here. Uh, he just didn't, you know, uh, Matt Hardy went after this guy and started beating the shit out of him. He's like an innocent guy. And Alex Marvez is like, that's Mike Posey. It's like, okay, <laughs> just not, you're not at the right level of, of, of intensity to try and put this over for what it's supposed to be. It's also something that like, it was so abrupt that like this whole entire thing played out under such a period of time. There was like no moment to breathe in this, that it took me like into, cause I think this way went straight to break after this. And it took me into like mid part in the break. That I was like, Oh wait, no, that was supposed to be something of this. So like, it just, I, I mean, I, I like that they have like, that it does seem like they're working in what was a bad injury last week into something, but it just didn't have time to breathe. Sometimes you, there's the powers of the beats and there's the powers of have giving a segment, have a beat on screen that have this. Cause am I the only one who thought this thing was like, just like almost like the crash TV kind of thing. I don't know. I mean, you, you want to, it was such a hot angle last week. I think you want to mention it in some way and like have something happen with it this week. I'm right, not sure yeah. this was like the perfect way to do it. But basically, I thought the promo wasn't that good. But I did. I kind of liked him attacking Mike Posey. I thought that was a, a good thing. It it escalated it a little. It, I thought it I thought was. the idea was yeah, fine to show like oh Matt Hardy's like out for blood. It's on site for Matt Hardy right now. I just thought the execution was kind of lacking that it didn't. Yeah, and I think it was an execution that if the if this segment was not like forty five seconds or how long it was, and actually they let the segment have some more airtime so it could sink in. I feel like it would have been more effective. Yeah, I can see that. Next up was the TNT Championship match with Cody defeating Scorpio Sky with the crossroads after holding on to the rope. Very amazingly. After the match, Brody Lee comes on screen. Uh, he's challenging Cody for the TNT title. He says the elite have been dispatched. Have they? He says Omega and Paige have been dispatched. Have they? So on Saturday... You're going to put some respect on Brody Lee's name. You're going to give me the gold title, and I'll give you this one back. And he's holding the old TNT title. I kind of assumed when they were finishing the TNT title that they were going to add parts onto the one that already existed, not just <laughs> right. create a second belt. <laughs> right. I, was, I was curious. Uh, good good entrance for Scorpio Sky. You know, he had a good promo on Dark, uh, and they were trying to build this up as more than just another TNT title match. Uh, Cody had his whole nightmare family entourage come up out for this, which I, I think is his way to try and signal that this is a bigger match. Like, Hey, I brought everybody this week. Uh, and then Scorpio didn't have a, either of his two tag partners <laughs> for no reason. Um, but yeah, the, you know, again, I thought this was a pretty, pretty solid match. Uh, you know, didn't pop me big or anything. Um, I, I can't imagine Brody's going to win, right? Brody's probably going to lose. So there's, that's going to be, uh, Another big loss for Brody there. I think that's weird that he's going to have yeah. to go into another another uh, big loss. And I thought it was weird. I mean, that's why I said that when I was recapping his promo. Like, I think it's weird <laughs> for him to claim that that they've you know already destroyed the Elite and Omega and Page, the tag yeah. team champions, when who they who defeated the Dark Order last week. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's something that like 
maybe this is something that's also heard by the crowd. Lack of crowds is because BTE has been the best on BTE. The Dark War has been the best part of it for like the last like what'd you say, Nate, two months or so. Like pretty much yeah, ever probably. since you do like this, and especially like John Silver and uh, and Reynolds, Alex Reynolds have been, and now you've built up Brody that he's going to probably this can be a stopping point for Cody. Like I, I know we were talking about how we thought that Scorpio could be a logical endpoint, but if you don't at that point. You've had this guy already job to your two big baby faces. Like, what are you going to do to reestablish Brody Lee as an as a major heel at that point? So, this, it, it, kind of booking themselves into a problem they didn't need to book themselves into. Yeah, this for me also is going to kill the idea that that Brody and Colt are like realistic tag team uh, champion winners. You know, so yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's bad. I think it's bad. Bad idea. <laughs> I mean, I get they are trying to they're seemingly trying to make this a big show because it's on a weird night. Right. So they, they want to make sure they have a drawing match on it, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, it does feel you know, it felt like Brody was getting momentum again after his failed title challenge uh, and Dark Order in general was getting some momentum. So, yeah, it, um, you know, remains to be seen. But I did just come on this show, I think, last week and was like, I'm not really complaining that they beat their monsters too much. And now I'm saying that they might be beating their monsters too much. Yeah, well, you find yourself in the NXT problem, right? Where they like do these big shows to try to get a number, but you, you've kind of then you've hot shotted something. I mean, it's a classic, I guess, pro wrestling story. Right. If you just hot shot something, and then you've ruined the people involved. So I don't think this is going to ruin Brody, but I just thought, as you were saying, they were building something. And now it's kind of, oh, here it is. The tag team championship match. Yeah, he said that. And then literally Omega and Page came out in the next segment with the belts. <laughs> the champions. Uh, defeated Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy Omega pinned Jungle Boy after the last call. All right. Nobody has anything to say about that match. It was fine. I, I, I would like fine. us for, to just leave it there because that's about what this, you know, trotting this out for no reason deserved. <laughs> I mean, like, and it's something that I know that they wanted to have all these tag team defenses because they were off TV and they didn't have the tag team champions around for a couple of months. But now it's to the point that this was V9 for uh, omega and page and now it's really to the point now of okay who else is there left to beat or are you going to circle around to someone that they've already had a towel defense for and that that really felt like that right here like luchasaurus and jurassic express just lost to the elite right in a trios match yeah so they're just getting a title shot for no reason they were ranked fifth in the rankings yeah i mean it's a justified title shot if you with how they've been doing the rankings, but it's one of those things that you look at and you're like, why did this match happen? So yeah, than- it, it's if we have to book a title shot, I guess it makes sense to do this team. But yeah. Also, I came on the show and was like, yeah, they're doing tag team appreciation night. And it's the first night in X many weeks that they haven't done a tag team match, tag team title match. And they did one. Now I'm complaining about it, but uh, you know, I guess that's me. <laughs> the uh, AW world title has had nine matches. And, and Omega and Page have defended the tag belts nine times in this run. And pretty much in the last, like, since they in, came yeah. back. To in TV. the pandemic, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Since, since they came back to uh, Daly's Place after the, the month or so at Norcross. So it's even more ridiculous. It's like in a three-month period. The women's titles also had nine defenses, just while we're talking. Okay, well, let's move on to the next thing. Uh, Santana and Ortiz, we were talking about this earlier. Pouring best friend's gear out in the shower and pouring bleach on it, Nate. 
And uh, then they tell us they're not going to. I don't, know, I don't know what you're talking about, Aaron. Yeah, I know it was bleach. <laughs> Mike, you did cut that out earlier, right? <laughs> sure thing, buddy. <laughs> Next, we got the Bucks and FTR in the ring with Arn, with Tully, with the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, Matt says the Rock and Rolls are the original Young Bucks because you created the style we use. Basically, they did this thing where the Bucks said something nice about the Rock and Rolls. FTR said something nice about Arn and Tully. Then Ricky Morton got on the mic. He said something nice about the Young Bucks. And then Arn said something nice about FTR. I mean, that was like uh, the whole bit here. So I don't have to recount everything they say. Uh, except I do want to point out that, okay, Dax, just because you try to take the heat out of you being a mark by saying that you're a mark doesn't actually do what you were trying to do. Oh, my God. He talked for what felt like 20 minutes about you guys made it so I can make a living for my beautiful daughter or whatever. I, I don't really understand the causation there. These guys had careers. Therefore, you can have a career. Yeah. I Was wrestling going to die if Arn and Tolly didn't exist? Like, I yes. feel like somebody would have stepped into that spot, probably. Um, probably. Yeah. Uh, it just really... You know, I guess they turned heel here, obviously. So maybe it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, they're really pouring down with this saccharine shit. But it was tiresome in the moment. Yeah, so Arn and Tully kind of get into it. And then Ricky goes after Tully. Uh, Dax goes down. He's he's playing like he has hurt his, uh, re-injured his knee. But he takes off his knee brace. I mean, that's where they kind of like showed what they were about to do, I thought. Uh, but he takes off his knee brace. And then Cash attacked Robert Gibson with the brace. They do the fake Goodnight Express to Ricky Morton. Uh, yeah, so th- there's your heel turn. The Bucks try to come out, but they've they've not gotten back in time. Paige comes out. He doesn't look happy with FTR. Omega's out too. And uh, I don't know. Are we are we really going to get an FTR Rock and Rolls match? Are we? Am I finally going to get better. a Rock and Rolls match? That's what I'm most interested in this point in the tag yeah. team division is the Rock and Rolls getting their comeuppance on either FTR or Santana and Ortiz because that's not settled either. Um, you know, that, that's more interesting to me than, uh, I guess where they're going. Yeah. I mean, if you have always ready Mark, Matt Cardona under contract for five matches, give us a five match, uh, Ricky and Robert run. I mean, just like trial series, trial series. Yes, I know. <laughs> like, seriously, I mean, you could be doing FTR. That's something that they just built. They have the history with uh, Santana Ortiz, which Santana Ortiz brought up by the way. So, and then you could just see like them versus the Young Bucks. I mean, that's going to be something. I mean, them versus Super Smash Brothers. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can go with that. Give them five matches. We want this. The, I, I hear more and more each day. People want to see the Rock and Roll Express uh, in AEW in a five match trial series. Yeah. Can't, you can't escape it. It's basically on everybody's lips. That would kick so much ass. And I do, uh, you know, I have to shout out to a uh, friend of the show, Aaron Quinn, because she loved Ricky Morton's. York Foundation t-shirt. It was an awesome t-shirt. It was. It was. Ricky Morton, did, great. Yeah. Uh, totally was the, the highlight of the promo segment. Like, he was yes. a- actually good. Uh, and just the gulf between him and Arn Anderson was even more evidenced here. It's like, oh, Arn is falling asleep. And Tully's like, hey, everybody, wake the fuck up. But was there something, uh, Nate, that you particularly liked about Ricky Morton's promo? Uh, he said, Billy Cool. <laughs> That really, really tickled me the way he said that. Coo. Coo. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Ricky Morton fucking rules. I really hope. 
I mean, it, it irritates me that the way I'm going to finally get a Rock and Roll Express match is because of FT Mark. I'm going to try to make that happen. Mm. Uh, they, <laughs> <laughs> they worked their way into a match with the Rock and Roll Express. That irritates me. Uh, but I'll put up with it, I guess. At least they're like clearly heels now. I yeah. Guess. That's uh-huh. good. It, but now we just get like more, ooh, what's Adam Page going to do? Yeah, I I mean, we're to a point now where I, at least everyone has recognized that my hatred of their Forever 21 Urban Outfitters like casual clothes was right and justified. They apparently went shopping with Frankie Kazarian this week, who was hanging out watching the tag match earlier in some fucking Forever 21 ass jeans for sure. What it is, I'm a killer Kowalski guy. Yeah, buy that at Forever 21. (laughs) He got that at uh, at Spencer's. Yeah. After he stopped at Forever 21 for the jeans. All right, Alex Marvez is backstage with Mike Kyoto, who mm, I don't know what match he you did think. Earlier. You think FDR like sees Kaz backstage and his I'm a Killer Kowalski guy shirt and they like pop for it. Like, oh, yeah. I love Killer Kowalski, man. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, they yeah. do. <laughs> and they won't be able to do it in any way that does not make them seem like a total nerd. They're yeah. like, fuck, man, we were watching some Killer Kowalski matches last night. After we yeah. saw your T-shirt, we, we watched the whole Killer Kowalski collection on the network. Hey, y'all, did y'all see that the uh, that the DuPont network had all that Chica- that Chicago wrestling from the 50s up there? Man, holy shit, I saw Killer Kowalski go against the Crusher on that. That stuff actually is really cool, by the way. All right. I mean, don't kill the bit, Mike. I mean, let's make fun of him. Come on, bud. <laughs> oh, oh, I, you don't have to tell me twice. Uh, the, the, uh, so Kyoto was refereeing Cody's title match. That's right. That question. That's right. But That's yeah, right. no, I mean, just like the idea that, that now we could tr- prove that tryhards are heels is something that I'm very happy that we have here. And, and FTR is the most tryhard team in the company. So they're like, buddy, all- we, we want to thank Killer Kowalski for training the SCU who made it possible for us to make a living in tag team wrestling. I made shit, man. Uh, Killer Kowalski, look at all who he trained. You got trained by them. Hell yeah. Forearms and fist drops. Oh, yeah. want to be clear that basically everybody in my family sounds exactly like that, so I'm allowed to do accent. Uh, yeah, I did not I, do I, any I, appropriation here as the, as the northern person on the podcast. I live in the Appalachian Mountains. True. And you say I, I forgot I said a really cool shit. <laughs> you did, but I goaded you into it. I mean. I wanted you to do it. All right. Uh, Mike Kyoto is backstage with Alex Marvez. Said he had a nice debut. Uh, they do a thing with Chris Jericho where he mentions that somehow he saved Mike Kyoto's job 18 years ago. So he wants basically wants Kyoto to uh, cheat for him in the match tonight if he gets in trouble. And Kyoto says he's going to call it down the middle. Did everyone else notice that they intentionally gimmicked up Jericho's jacket at this point? Like They, they have been. Oh. It's gotten <laughs> okay. worse every week. Okay, so I didn't notice that until that's, this That's week. funny. Yeah. yeah but also, funny. I'm also one of the most like oblivious people in the world, so that makes <laughs> sense that I only pick up on it when it's the time of the of their big match. So good for me. All right, next up was Hikaru Shida defeating Heather Monroe with a fucking stretch muffler, which ruled. Uh, Shida was with Tony afterward, and she said she's still waiting for a challenger. Bring it on. I was going to do a thing here. Uh, other friend of the show, Chelsea, did a she, – she stopwatched the the segment and i was going to talk about that but now it's kind of it's gone over uh the, the, it's jumped the shark the the discourse about how much time the women get and now i just can't be part of it yeah nerds are, are doing it too much now probably the right choice but yeah. 
they, they, I mean, Heather Monroe, you know, uh, uh, held her own here and was totally fine as a challenger for Sheeta to beat. They should just be doing this on every show is have Sheeta beat somebody uh, and then do a second women's segment of something else. But wait a second, Nate. No, I... don't. It's not, it's not hypocritical. No, what I've heard is that. No. There's no women who exist that oh. they could bring into AEW. They're all either in NXT or they're in Japan. No, there's plenty of women that exist. Um, <laughs> I can I can say that firmly. <laughs> women but, exist. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've we've I've been up and down the road on this uh, last week, especially. Yeah, it's not a. It's just a, a, an absence of time allotted is the issue. Buddy, we've been up and down the road watching Killer Kowalski matches. <laughs> um, what I will say, though, is that they promised us that Britt Baker and Big Swole would be on this show. Tony Khan literally tweeted it that they would be on this show, and they were nowhere to be found. <laughs> so not only, not only did they not do women's segments, they just fucking cut them right in the middle of the show. They did yeah. promote the tag tournament, so they figured that out. Praise Jesus. They they finally realized that if you want to push viewers to your other content, you have to do it on your main show. That's why we use this show to push the Patreon, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jake Roberts was with Lance Archer. We talked about that. They plugged the Women's Tag Team Cup. And then Orange Cassidy defeated Chris Jericho with the mousetrap. I think we've talked about this uh, at length at this point. So, anything else on on the show no doesn't look like it okay if you i want mean to- i can still riff another for another 10 minutes about ftr and killer kowalski if you still want to if you, you still think we got some mileage in that well i mean we got time later in the show let's let's see what happens i okay. did in my in my back pocket i've got the uh the film canon of david dobkin who directed okay. wedding crashers <laughs> yes okay <laughs> there we go. As well. okay well let's save that just in case okay um if you really love our our film critiques on this show then please uh, support us over at patreon.com slash everything elite. We've got three tiers uh, that you can subscribe to. I've done one film review. <laughs> <laughs> We've done one film review on it. Uh, I was thinking, I mean, I'm just going to workshop this right here on the air. I thought it'd be, you know, we had a show where SB was involved and I thought that was fun and, and people enjoyed her presence on the show. Uh, so I'm trying to think of something else to do with SB. I was thinking of uh, wrestling movies. Uh, us reviewing wrestling-related movies. I, I believe I did pitch the John Moxley MMA versus wrestler movie that he did. Oh yeah, and I, I think oh. you declined to do that, but oh, that well, is let's... that is relevant. Okay, well we can do that. I'm into that. Okay. I mean, there's also uh, the David Arquette documentaries coming out. That's right. That's good. I'm thinking that was, just that basically pretty good. anything with a wrestling tie. I think would be would be funny. So. All right, we'll maybe do that on the Patreon at some point. Um, here's it goes what on do- the list. Yeah, it goes on the list of things that people in the Discord say. Why haven't you done this thing you said that you were going to do yet? And I'm like, I, I have not seen that right. in the Discord one time. Pe- people get mad. We we said really? one time we were going to do a uh, a, a thing. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> don't don't bring that up. Uh, a thing about uh, AW Dark and. Um, yeah, we haven't done it. And that's so, your fault, by the way. That's my yep. fault. People For are sure not my fault it. on that one. No, no, no. no, no, no the, the clear thing is that it's not Nate or my fault about this. Yes. Yeah. That's priority one. Yeah. Well, great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate while, that. While, <laughs> while we're burying ourselves for all the things we haven't done, we are doing, you know, basically two extra shows a week, non-subscribers. Uh, so they are pretty fun. 
That's true. Uh, we do basically the idea. Yeah, it's about about two shows a week. Um, this week, a shitload of extra shows. I've been doing daily audio on the Stardom Five Star Grand Prix. I've done four episodes already, folks. Monday through Thursday, new episodes every day. So good job uh, by you. Thank you. We, if you're we all we all now live in Hemeka's grace. So I'm we, proud of you. We do. So a uh, friend of the show, Thoros, reached out earlier to say that he thinks that the content has been very good on the Stardom Five Star Grand Prix. So I'm going to put myself over. So if you're a Stardom fan, definitely a good time to subscribe. We also have the Discord where you can. Uh, come chat with us and have fun. And we do live watch-alongs during Dark and Dynamite. So if you just want some people to hang out, chat with during Dark and Dynamite, come join us. That's patreon.com slash everything elite. Uh, the $5 tier will get you every piece of audio that we do and have ever done. All right, August 22nd, next Saturday, is going to be the next episode of Dynamite, the same day as the first uh, Stardom Yokohama show. So. You know, luckily it won't be live, so you won't have to worry about picking uh, which one to watch. And the day before my anniversary, am I going to be able to watch this? Oh, I know. Here's what we have. FTR versus Private Party, not the Rock and Roll Express, I've noted. Uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega versus the Beaver Boys and Alan Angels. Everybody knows who the Beaver Boys are, right? We, all, we always say that. If they, if they haven't figured it out by context, then I guess I would worry. But yeah, that is John Silver, the star of BTE, and Alex Reynolds. Yeah. That's a that's a sneaky good match there, folks. Yeah. Sleeper. No. That's a sleeper. <laughs> John Silver and Alex Reynolds. I don't know how I can make it work for Reynolds. But yeah, three and four and five. Yes. That, that could be very good. Uh, yeah, I'm stoked for that match. The Women's Tag Team Cup Final. What are, what are our semifinal matches, Mike? You got uh, that? You got that pulled up? If you if you would give me it's a the nightmare, it's the nightmare system for sisters versus Big Swole and Little Swole, and then yeah, TJ TJ versus the other team. Yeah, Evelise and Diamante. Okay, go. so uh, what are you guys thinking? Where, where are we headed to this this final? Yeah, I, mean, I have you know the the nightmare sisters has two roster members versus the the one roster member on the Swole team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. And Britt can get involved, maybe, and yeah, the, think about that. but yeah. the other the other side of the bracket only has Anna J as our roster member, right? Yeah, <laughs> who's yeah. like the green, you know, among the greenest people in the tournament. But so, t- well, I, I guess I don't know why the Big Swole and Little Swole are not on the other side of the bracket, so they can be in the finals against the Nightmare Sisters. And then you have that play into the the Britt Baker thing in the on TV. Yeah, I mean. You feel like pretty confident that Nightmare Sisters are going to win the one side. And so then it kind of feels dumb to have TJ as the other team because then it's like a bunch of not particularly great workers <laughs> on, on the match that gets the most attention by far. <laughs> yeah. That's being ta- that's being taped right now. Oh, yeah. Well, they can at least recut it, I guess. Um, they haven't recut a lot of stuff. That's true. No, <laughs> they haven't. <laughs> they haven't. Uh, I guess I guess I I I guess I'm not hundred percent confident that it's gonna be the Nightmare Sisters because uh that story is totally illegible. I don't know what the <laughs> I don't know where it's going. I don't know what the character of Brandy Rhodes is. I don't know if she's a heel or a babyface. Uh I don't know if Allie is the bunny or that just doesn't exist at all. Um I think she's a heel, but now she's like basically a babyface in the stable. <laughs> so yeah, she's no just I, really no way I'd to know what's going on there. 
it seems like QT and her still are a thing, even though that she's in canon married to the Blade. Like, there's a lot of things going on that aren't adding up here. Like, well, Q- when QT like went off TV because of COVID, like I felt like a lot of that fell apart. Yeah, we have not picked lost, it back up. They've kind of lost the plot there. <sighs> yeah. Well, I don't know. That's I don't happened. Know. All I care about is that Tay Conti and Nicole Savoy are signed to AW. That's what I want to happen. If that happens out of this tournament, I'll be happy. Yeah, yeah. Like this vanity tournament could be all worth it if they now now knowing that they've started to cut people if they're bringing more people in. We should say they may not be cutting people. I, uh, you know, there was some suggestion. Well, maybe Sadie was on a one-year contract that could be coming up. Yeah, so uh, this I, could I, be. I guess that would be. This could be contract in October. So yeah, it could just be yeah. inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, and then I don't think that. T Hawk and Alindaman had contracts. I think that they they were like per date whenever Shima brought them over. So yeah, so they may just kind well, of be clearing the deck again, depending on where they got their visa, because they have to be under some sort of a contract to get a visa. Right. Yeah. Which was but they also worked PWG like the year prior, so they had some sort of working papers at that time. Oh no, Shima's had the working papers for a while. Yeah, no, and then that was a thing for the OWE kids because there weren't contracted through, and then all the things there that getting Chinese wrestlers to the United States. Hey, remember when like they were talking about having Chinese wrestlers in the United States seeing this new innovative style that was supposed to be uh, Good Hearts? Remember that, guys? Yeah, the very first uh, pep <laughs> rally or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember Pac? Yeah, I do remember Pac. He's been around he- a little more recently than the Chinese kids. Who he never did promo, <laughs> well, which never showed up. Yeah, well, you know, but if it's a good thing in retrospect that they didn't invest a bunch into a bunch of Chinese acrobats because Trump would have just banned them. So that's true. Yeah, and the one person that'd be absolutely stunned out of all of this, bro. Yeah, the two people actually really are Pack and Riho, right? the international people. Like, if they're the people who get let go, I'd be stunned. No, like, not, would not even cross my mind. I, I, I mean, I guess now that we have like more to talk about it. Does any of this really surprise you? At least with these people, maybe B is like the one that you're kind of somewhat surprised with, but like everyone else kind of lines up. Well, yeah, uh, you know, Sadie, we kind of had an idea from the beginning. Like, hey, uh, they basically signed her sight unseen off of a GIF. Maybe that's not the best vetting process. B, we were talking about. It's kind of hard when this promotion isn't your first priority and you are international and coming over from uh, probably Japan at any given time to. Uh, try and get the crowd invested in you and do international flights for, you know, your seven minute matches or whatever on random weeks. Like it's, that's a pretty tough obstacle. Uh, so if you don't turn around and, you know, uh, 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 get some investment like Riho did right off the top, then how much do you keep pouring into that bucket? I guess. So, uh, yeah, it's, you know, not, not shocking. Um, and you know, uh, she's got a full-time promotion elsewhere anywhere. So, Yes, I agree with all of that. Uh, the other matches from the show next week, Darby Allen will be in action. The Lucha Brothers and Butcher and the Blade will take on the Jurassic Express and the Natural Nightmares. And the TNT Championship match that we discussed earlier, Cody taking on Brody Lee. So uh, Mike and I will preview that on light, although I don't know when we'll do light since we don't necessarily need to do it on Wednesday uh, next week. We could do it whenever we want, I suppose. Um, the The next couple of weeks, it's also going to be pre... Or not the next couple of weeks, but the next week, the 26th, uh, that will happen on the 27th. So no Wednesday show the next week. That show will be on Thursday. And then there's a September show 
that's going to be moved over to Thursday. But those are the only preemptions that we know of as of now. Uh, we also had a note here about them allowing some uh, some spectators into Daly's place last night for the show. You probably saw them on screen. Uh, looks to be like, uh, you know, your, your, your Twitter fans that live in the area. Yeah, and it seems like the precautions they've talked about basically have been what independent shows have been doing as precautions, doing like temperature checks and then seating them. Like I did see one of the photos that they were doing spacing in the crowd, but it's just one of those things that, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this happens more and more. And as I've said, I think it's dumb. I think it's a bad thing to do like that. I think that this is a public emergency thing and then, and they still don't have a public protocol about this and there's not a way you could do this safely, but they're going to do it. And each time that they do it, I will bring up that it's dumb and that this is a public emergency. Yeah, we're about to have full wrestling crowds in AEW and WWE. WWE said they're going to the Amway Center. I don't. Th- I, I, it seemed like there was some talk about them doing a virtual crowd for that. I don't think we're doing full crowds. Oh, it's so. it's coming soon, Nate. I don't think so. I I believe that Vince Co- will go fo- first. Football conferences are canceling their seasons, which is you know not even necessarily would have had admitted fans. Um, yeah, I think they're gonna you know. <laughs> it was there was very funny. I don't know. There was a lot of people on Twitter saying, "Oh, it wasn't fans at the show. It was special invitees, which were just like big fans." I don't know. Weird <laughs> people trying to to thread that needle was uh, unusual. It seemed concentrated or something. But yeah, you know, they're gonna invite people who they know aren't gonna be uh, mad about it or something. I guess, which is, you know, I didn't I didn't really feel hypocritical watching the GCW show that they did in Indianapolis because they did all the possible precautions they could. Um, so, you know, if they're going to have people sitting apart and wearing masks, then, you know, I guess the question is uh, new Japan, you know, had one wrestler come down with a fever and they canceled the show at bell time. Uh, you know, I don't expect we'd see that level of commitment here as, as far as like, Oh yeah, no, we're just not no. doing the show. Yeah. They, they would do the show. Well, it's also something where it seems like they had someone this week who was not uh, was publicly not quarantining in place and was on air. I mean, I will say that, and this is my personal, this is just my personal opinion. Jericho was probably more apt to get sick from that house microphone than it was from the crowd. It still is just a bad look, but we'll see. I, I, I do think that like the outdoors thing that GCW did, like as Nate said, has been, probably the most respectful about it and then you get the complete opposite and you have iwa bit south so <laughs> i just wish people would like you don't have to defend AEW about anything they do like you can no, just not say it, you can just say it's bad yeah no I mean, if you I, don't think it's bad hey, then you don't have to think it's bad well but. you know i do i understand defending AEW. uh three weeks ago before they were the market leader in pro wrestling. But now that they're on top of the <laughs> domestic business, That's you right. know, they're on top. They can take the heat. I mean, they are also the, the top promotion in some parts of Europe. I mean, we, we, we hear about AEW being picked up. We don't hear about WWE being picked up with TV rights fees. Watch that over the next few years. That's going to be fun. I mean, I guess you could tell if you've listened to the show for some period of time, but just like, you know, your, your basic, you're uh, the place you should start from is always antagonizing. You know, you, you want to be antagonistic toward, uh, toward any, everything, any sort friends. of power. 
your loved not your, ones. No, not, <laughs> I mean your parents, yeah, but not like your friends. I know. I really don't care when people are like positive all the time because there are things that I only I engage with uncritically. So if wrestling's sure. your thing for that, then fine. I don't care. Yeah, but I don't. But I I just I never get the sense that it's like actually. Because if you're on Twitter talking about wrestling, you're not engaging with it uncritically. Like you're not that kind of person, I don't think. Yeah, that's yeah, might be the case. Okay, so here we go. David Dobkin, director of Wedding <laughs> Crashers. Sure, All right. Started, didn't even know that in... guy. Didn't know his name. Well, so I was interested because Wedding Crashers was, you know, I think probably up there with Anchorman is like the peak sort of, you know, juvenile oh, frat boy comedy of its Wedding time. Crashers, that road trip in old school. Yeah, road trip and old school didn't do it for me. It's gonna be Wedding I mean, Crashers, old... Anchorman, um, old, Forgetting old Sarah Marshall, like something the... like that. Oh, I'd put old school above Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, I would not, put not close. Forgetting Sarah Marshall above all those. It's really good, frankly. I, anyway, I mean... started as started as a music video director, as uh, you know, many directors of the era did. Interested to know if you can get this music video directed in 1996. It was the follow up to this rapper's major breakout hit from a motion picture soundtrack hmm. from a well you got to give me like one more hint maybe um let's see that he had a song on the space jam soundtrack a song on the space jam soundtrack shit i think that's wrong it's clueless soundtrack the clueless soundtrack yes i have no idea what was on the clueless soundtrack so that's that doesn't actually help me weak I know. Okay, well, rappers with major breakout hits from uh, motion picture soundtracks. <laughs> the music video might have even uh, been like on the set of the motion picture, featuring the female lead of the motion picture. I don't know. This is like uh, just swirling around in my brain. Hmm. I mean, Will Smith was already a star, right? I mean, he yeah. I, I mean, I picture song. I mean, he had see, big movie songs. I mean, Seal is not a rapper, but he oh, did his major breakout. On wait, is it Coolio? Coolio. Okay, is it? Okay, so it's Dangerous, the, the Dangerous Minds song. Yes. Um, Gangster's Paradise, yeah. Gangster's Paradise. So this must be... His follow-up single. Also a hit in its own, right? Uh, fuck. What was the next Coolio song? It wasn't See You When You Get There. No. Um, oh, it's the one on the... Uh, where he's on the bike, right? Yeah. Damn it. What's the name gonna, of that gonna song? Get, get down. Gonna, gonna get up. Get oh! I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it, it, it has numbers in the title. I don't know. Can't, okay. Can't the, hook, <laughs> the song is literally just called One, Two, Three, Four. Oh, is, is it? The, which is also the hook of the song. One, yeah. two, three, four. Get your body on the floor. Gonna gonna get up, get down. Yeah. Anyway, that was David Dobkin, the director of Wedding Crashers, okay. with, uh, whose later career was very funny to me. He he followed that up with Fred Claus, which makes sense. Yeah, you know, do another comedy with your uh, Vince Vaughn guy. Did he tie himself uh, to Vince Vaughn pretty hard? Uh, I certainly see Vince Vaughn there. Uh, he did the Change Up, which might have been a Bateman classic. Didn't see that one. One of one of Aaron's favorite movies, naturally. And then uh, shout out to to Champ Julius did a number of Maroon Five music videos after he found his critical success, commercial success. Um, and then pretty much fell out of movies until the very recent reteaming with Will Ferrell for the maligned and ignored Eurovision Netflix movie. 
There's David Dobkin for you. Also did another Maroon 5 video this year. He's like he's like the house director for Maroon 5 here. One, two, three, four, five, at least five Maroon 5 videos. Maroon 5 and Vince Vaughn, it seems. Oh, he also did he also did the uh the the digital underground song with Tupac. He did the video for that. Oh, okay. Okay. My favorite uh music video director to uh feature film director, the director of the TLC Waterfalls video. Hmm. I don't know that one. Also did oh. the Outcast Miss Jackson video. Uh so Dr. Dre's Keep Their Heads Ringing. Miss Jack's video seems like it could have been Hype Williams. I don't think he went into significant feature film directing. This is it was not Hype Williams. Okay. Mm. What what's one of his uh, motion pictures that he did? Well, I mean, he got his start with Friday. Did the Italian job? He did the Italian job. Set it off. Law-abiding citizen. <laughs> not gonna know this. F. Gary Gray. F. Gary Gray, shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I probably should have known that. He came back. He came out of. Did uh, he pass away? F. Gary Gray? No, I don't think so. Maybe no, I'm he's thinking still of alive. Like, actor. I, I never knew that Felix is his first name until just now. Felix Gary Gray? Felix Gary Gray. Uh, came back for the Jay Z Show Me What You Got video. And then a random Rick what, Ross yeah. video in 2010. But yeah, uh, straight out of Compton, <laughs> you know, was his like his big mm. comeback recently. Okay. Yeah. That's appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Since he got started I with, think with Ice Cube. All, all time. I mean, this is uh, coming uh, coming off of FKA Gray. Very white shout here. But all time <laughs> music video to feature film director guy has got to be Spike Jones. Oh, sure. Sure. He became like a real film director. Ooh, heavy shot. Heavy shot at David Dobkin there. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I mean, F. Gary Gray did like some real shit. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt. Uh, Spike Jones, I guess, became a critically acclaimed film. An auteur. Yeah, which I guess you can also account for the fact that Spike Jones does white movies and F. Gary Gray did black <laughs> movies. Probably, uh, <laughs> probably worth taking stock of. <laughs> yeah, probably worth thinking about. So, uh, oh, fuck. Okay. Where do you guys come down on Synecdoche, New York? <laughs> uh didn't see it did not see it it. no no uh for sure like rented it from netflix in the early days of netflix where they'd actually send you the dvd and then never never put it in the dvd machine one of the worst fucking films i've ever seen in my life uh beloved uh, by basically every film nerd in the world philip seymour hoffman in there yes Hmm. yeah every pretty much everything else he's done i really like i just hate that movie that's all okay well that's the show, I think. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star rating. Give us a review and support the show, please, at patreon.com slash everything elite. We will not see you again for like a week. It'll be there'll be a little bit of a of a break between when we normally do shows. because uh, we'll come back after the next um, dynamite. So for Mike, for Nate, we'll see you then. Okay.